This is Geek Gab with your host, Dornall, and me, Daddy Warpig. Geek Gab for Saturday, February 29th, 2020. We have a very special guest in the house today, uh, Miss, Mrs., excuse me, A.M. Freeman. Uh, but before we get to that, Doranol, how was your week? Hey, man. It's good. It's good to be back. How about you? I have had a week that is unequaled in all of my long life. Oh, yeah? Sounds impressive. And I don't want to go into any more details, but that is absolutely <laughs> true. Absolutely unequaled. I have had a a week that that not only has it never been matched before, I sincerely hope it will never be matched again. Oh, I see. Well, I, that's why you cap off the week with a geek gab here. Yes. Just let it go. <laughs> so should I tell everybody what day today is? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So, folks, I first met Dornall 17 years ago. We've been friends for 17 years. And the very first time I met him, I don't know how this came up in conversation, but he told me that his birthday was today. February 29th, leap year. Now, that's not unusual. People have to be born sometime, and some people are born on the 29th. So that went in my bank because it was unusual, and I remembered that. And for 14 years, I thought that was his birthday. Oh, no. Uh, or 13 years. Because four years ago, four years ago exactly, I said to him, happy birthday. <laughs> On today, February 29th. While we were on a phone call discussing some things. And his exact response was, what? That's not my birthday. And I said, really? Because when I first met you, you told me today was your birthday. And he said, I don't remember that. I have no recollection of this moment. <laughs> And I said, well, I do. I've been thinking that was your birthday for the last 13 years. So he's told me his real birthday now, and I can't remember it. It will not go into my brain. I, I, there is no space in my head for his real birthday. Even sitting here now, after four years, I could not even tell you. I think it's in the first half of the year, 
but I could not tell you anything more than that. I've got my phone and my calendar and stuff, and so it pops up reminders to, to tell me when it's his birthday, but other than that, I have no idea. All <laughs> because when I first met him 17 years ago, he made a joke and uh, completely messed up my recollection. So today, folks, if you want to know what today is, and this is what happened to me, I didn't know this was a leap year. Wasn't paying attention, didn't care. And then I noticed it was a leap year, and I thought, oh, look, it's February 29th. That's Dornall's fake birthday. <laughs> That's my the fake first birthday. thing I thought. So happy fake birthday, Dornall. Oh, thanks, man. I really appreciate it. It's, uh, good, it's good being, what's the math? Five years old now? <laughs> Ten years old. So, anyways, yeah, happy it's fake birthday, everybody. It's leap year. You know, I have a, I have a, a story that's just as embarrassing for me, um, <laughs> and, and that both stories are embarrassing for me, uh, is that I, I've confused leap year, uh, the cause for leap year, which is the revolution of the Earth with the rotation of the Earth. And for years, I thought, well, I mean, we, we don't need to accumulate all these, you know, we don't need to accumulate all these hours and then wait for years to add an extra day. We'll just we'll just add that time throughout the year. So that's my embarrassing story about that. It's actually fascinating to me and, and probably to very few other people is uh, how intricate timekeeping is and how many centuries it took for people to develop um, uh, a calendar that actually stays more or less in time with the solar year, which is not exactly anything. Um, that is to say the uh, rotation of the earth that gives us day and night, it's turning on its axis, and the revolution, which is the spinning around the sun, um, don't match up evenly because, the, you know, they're not clockwork gears. And so the length of a year, of an actual year, is 365 and a quarter days minus 11 minutes and 16 seconds. So we have leap year to take care of that extra quarter days. But then we have that extra 11 minutes and 16 seconds we have to subtract. And so there is, uh, when that accumulates, and I can't remember exactly what it was, but it happened this, uh, the beginning in, in 2000, somewhere around there, whenever there was a leap year there, they didn't actually have the leap year because you take out a leap year to take away that time uh, for that 11 minutes that's accumulated, the quote unquote negative time that we got ahead of the solar year. Uh, there's a specific rule for like when a century begins with something and something, something, you take away the leap year. Um, and so that happened very recently to keep us in tune. Plus, and this is something I didn't know, but it, it's also really cool. Um, there are a few atomic clocks in the world that keep time uh, for everybody. And they're always in sync. 
and this is like the official time. Uh, and they determine at the end when the end of the year is coming up that you know sometimes the speed the earth travels around the sun changes um sometimes it goes faster sometimes it goes slower because the shape of the earth's orbit actually varies did not know this until like last year um so sometimes they add literally one second to the length of a year or subtract a second and so as the atomic clock is doing its thing instead of uh, at midnight on new year's instead of going to the first second of the new year they added another second it goes to zero and then goes to one uh and 2016 that bastard of a year that everybody hated uh, got, I think, two seconds added to it because, of course, it did. We just had to have extra 2016. Wow. That was that was the extra time needed for us to slip into the what is now the best of all timelines. <laughs> so what I'm, that... what I'm hearing is uh, if someone wants to write a chaos god, they should have one that, like, just slightly messes with those, like, ultimate timekeeper clocks and slowly breaks down the system until everyone goes mad because we can no longer track time. I just, I find that kind of stuff, just these little nick, nick, uh, nooks and crannies of, uh, of technology and, and science uh, fascinating. It's the kind of stuff you take, a, take for granted, but if you think yeah. about is super impressive. Like if you have your, if you're my computer, my phone, and my uh, Xbox, uh, they all keep time automatically, right? You just click a button and they'll keep time automatically. They keep time automatically from one of these, uh, not directly from these time servers, but uh, from subsidiary servers who get time from these time servers. So, you know, they really matter. And you, it, devices you use every day. Uh, get information directly from them. I am done talking about clocks <laughs> now. I was gonna, I was gonna ask. I'm gonna put my my curmudgeon hat on. <laughs> if it, we've done so much work to keep accurate track of time and our position and our orbit and all that, yet we still have this weird calendar and. Most of the world still uses daylight savings time at uh, at home. I can't put these two things together. Uh, day, daylight savings time is a boondoggle. I don't know that it ever worked to do what Congress thought it would do. Uh, uh, I know that they were trumpeting something back in uh, 2000 and. To 2003 for the war on terror they're like we will extend daylight savings time and we will save the nation 15 billion dollars in energy and and it did nothing 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 and that like doesn't make any sense it it, it was congress man it's <laughs> not a requirement of the job <laughs> description to make sense amen <laughs> But I had a I had a VCR, 
I know, in 2003, that was absolutely necessary because I had a, a video game machine that was so old it wouldn't hook up to my TV. So I had to hook it up through the VCR <laughs> to the TV. Classic. Loved it. Great. Such an awesome, awesome hookup. Uh, patch cables and all kinds of stuff. Just great. Man, I hit the internet and they just did not make cables that did what I needed it to do to change from one video signal to the other. So I had to run it through the VCR. Well, daylight savings time had been the same for like, what, 70 years. So, of course, it was hard coded in ROM on the motherboard of this VCR. And then, like, literally three months before I got the VCR, Congress pulled this crap. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> and immediately this poor VCR didn't know what time it was, didn't know where it was. You couldn't set the clock or anything. It was, it, 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 so none of it's like, automatic record functions like okay record this tv program would work because it didn't know what time it is because congress screwed up daylight savings time. i feel so sorry for that little vhs oh <laughs> <laughs> what happened to the vcr uh, act of congress <laughs> i just i just thought it was hilarious it was like this right here, this one event is is a microcosm of everything Congress does. I feel like there should be a was it by like the Brave Little Toaster three or four or whatever one they haven't made, where it's like the sad VCR player that doesn't know its purpose in life because it's very confused about the time change. <laughs> it sounds so sad. Oh, and it was. I didn't use any of its capabilities. I didn't have any VCR tapes, so I couldn't play anything through it. Its entire purpose in life is to take one signal through one part of its uh, video feed and put out a signal through another part of its video feed. It was awesome. <laughs> it was basically a big com converter. <laughs> hey, there's still people out there using VHS tapes. I'm not one of them. Oh, we've got, um, we got a, uh, decide to get a projector instead of TV, uh, and we're able to use the VHS player with it. And so we can watch the like old school cartoon Hobbit projected on our wall. Oh, that's amazing. So it's pretty, it's pretty nice. There's still like a ton around it. I think I found it for like $5 at a yard sale. It has the VHS side and the DVD side. And there's still like tons at Goodwills. Oh yeah, sure. So yeah, that stuff. Go ahead. Sorry, I interrupted. Yeah, though that stuff's that stuff is still around. I guess that's great. Especially now at Goodwills, since everyone got Disney Plus, there are so many Disney VHS tapes at Goodwills now because everyone's getting rid of their collection they were saving for their children. <laughs> uh, and they're and they're suckers too because half of those things aren't going to be available on Disney Plus. Yeah, or they're changing it. Like, uh, I saw one example of apparently the uh, from Lilo and Stitch, the scene where um, Lilo's hiding in like the uh, dryer from her sister. They changed it to look like a cabinet. Huh. Ooh, his. You can't make it look like a 
uh, dryer because kids call in the dryer and then and, and they'll get killed. It's so terrible. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think um, I think there's some other things, but there's slight changes that are made to uh, some of the Disney Plus, like the movies that are on there. Not to mention the stuff thrown in the vault to never come out. I mean, uh, why wouldn't you? What grandchild's collection would we complete without Song of the South? Seriously. <laughs> yeah. I saw Song of the South in the theaters when I was a kid. They can't erase the song, right? You ever you ever find yourself humming zippity doo dah every once in a while? It's a great song, it really is. Yeah. I'm hearing the alarm bells going off. <laughs> all right between a, between things if <laughs> song of the south was a good movie and and what i said last week i think we're in trouble <laughs> we're in <laughs> serious trouble youtube's hey who's gonna come after us disney just fired bob Iger. who oh, knows yeah. what's gonna happen he's not the only one man there was a suspiciously large enough amount of uh, firings and or quittings over the past month, a lot of them on the exact same day. Like the CEO of MasterCard uh, oh. resigned the same day. There, uh, I saw a list of them. It's like seven major CEOs all quit and or were fired oh. in, a, in a two-week period. And I'm like, what the hell was that? That was all really suspicious. Right after... The uh, Weinstein verdict got handed down, which I am not suggesting is a causal thing there, but it was just like, wait a minute. That's quite a coincidence. Um, I did want to say this, though. She's talking about the old school Hobbit, and it, I assume you're talking about the Rankin-Bass Hobbit? I What? Which one is the Rankin-Bass Hobbit? The animated one. Well, if, if it's... What other one would it be? Are there other animated hobbits? No. Well, oh. the computer animated one that came in three three hour movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but AM, you were talking about watching the Hobbit on your wall, right? Yeah. And I was assuming you're talking about the Ring and Bass one, right? Uh I think so um the greatest yeah, yeah yeah that's it yeah that's the right one okay yeah that's a rankin bass production mm -hmm. um so they did the hobbit they also did the fellowship of the ring animated but they never made any of the other lord of the ring lord of the rings movies animated mm -hmm. so we had to wait and those were in the 1970s. So we had to wait for 30 years to get proper uh, proper Lord of the Rings movies. Mm -hmm. And they started coming out, guess when? 20 years ago. Really? Are they that old? How many years ago? 20 cool i was like two one or two so <laughs> i didn't really have to wait <laughs> okay we curmudgeons over here 
<laughs> Actually, I'm the only curmudgeon here because, man, I'm, I'm I'm a I'm a ray of sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was 20 years old uh, this year. It was would have been December of 2000, but uh, that the Lord of the Rings movies started getting released. Uh, there were three of them, one year after another. So, some of the greatest movies ever made in cinema. And I think I hear Jeffro having a heart attack somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy just fell off his rock climbing wall. <laughs> Doesn't know what happened. I don't know what came over me. Oh, Ralph Bakshi. Sorry. Catholic yes. answer is correcting me. We've been we've been corrected. I accept my correctation. <laughs> Plus I get to show his cool little space dog illustration on stream. There you go. Thanks for listening in. So speaking of awkward transitions to something completely unrelated. Tell us about your book. Okay. So we can make it somewhat related. I mean, there is a like epic battle scene, which happens in Lord of the Rings. So this one just involves um, chainsaws, pirates, and dinosaurs, and mechanical wolves, and really weird narwhal men. Narwhal men. Yeah, I haven't. Um, I haven't really like talked about that aspect as much in most of my um, talkings about it. But yeah, there's a moment where there's like. Imagine Slenderman, like tall, long body in a like you know in a black suit, but nar narwhal heads. Um, and when they enter the battlefield, uh, the effect they have is to make you feel like isolated, kind of a little bit sensory deprivation. Because a big theme of the book is um, hope and despair, um, and so they're in this battlefield fighting against the mechanical wolves. And um, Mary May realizes that, you know, she's a little girl. There's not a whole lot physically she can do. Um, and so she discovers a way to uh, help, like, encourage the spirits of the pirates and everyone fighting, you know, trying to get to the nightmare man to stop him. Um, and she was, you know, bringing everyone together. And then the narwhal guys come and kind of, like, break that down a little bit. And they got to fight past that. Um, so... The overall, uh, my elevator pitch, uh, you could say, is Mary May and the Nightmare Man is about a little girl named Mary May um, and her imaginary friend Waldo. They team up with noble pirates armed with chainsaws, fight against mechanical dinosaur. Or no, no, they ride on the back of mechanical dino. No, not mechanical dinosaur. Sorry. Ah, there's too much. Uh, what was it? I'm forgetting my elevator pitch. Ah, okay. Armored dinosaurs, they ride on the back of armored dinosaurs. The dinosaurs are good. It's the mechanical wolves you got to watch out for. They're bad, as well as the narwhals and all the inky shadows um, and the nightmare man. They got to stop the nightmare man before he spreads the world in darkness, not only to the uh, imaginary worlds, but it's also threatening to come out into Mary May's world. Um, and she's noticed her sister has been having a hard, her little baby sister has been having a hard time having nightmares. So she knows something's up. And they have to go on this epic quest to uh, figure out what's going on and uh, stop that nightmare man from being a meanie head, as she would say. <laughs> so it's kind of this 
crazy but really fun entertaining kind of heartfelt um novelette and uh as you can see with my profile uh one of the illustrations uh we've got 10 of them so far and the kickstarter is to help pay for those and you know help pay cover the cost for getting the book published and out and everything so it's pretty exciting <clears throat> that sounds pretty great I, I actually, I was going to ask you to start again because I only got notes on some of those things in there. I got noble pirates and armored dinosaurs and mechanical yeah. wolves. Yeah, I think I kind of botched my introduction to it. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of all over the place. It's the leap year. We'll blame it on the leap year. This never happened. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, this day has never happened before and will never happen again. Yeah, so um, if you, you can kind of see the little picture, it's the... Uh, the noble pirates and the armored dinosaurs are part of the imaginary or the force to make believe. And uh, Waldo is the little bug boy uh, creature. That's Mary May's uh, imaginary friend. And everyone, you know, she's what, like seven, six or seven. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, your imaginary friend. Uh, they don't understand that he's he's more than a, like he's he's an imaginary friend. But it's because he's from the, ma the imaginary force. Um, but as Mary May will say. Uh, all her other, you know, any other imaginary people don't come up with their own ideas and adventures, but Waldo does. So obviously, he's much more than an imaginary little bug boy. Um, and all the other kids are scared by the strange creatures that live across the forest. Uh, she didn't believe there was monsters until the day she met one, and that was Waldo. And they're great friends. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's the... Um, it's also got a very uh, big subversive theme, um, mainly the having hope even when surrounded by despair. And so a lot of the story, um, it shows like being scared and not knowing what to do all the time, um, but knowing that you can't stop fighting because that will let the, the darkness win and how to you know, encourage others or depend on your friends to help you get through it and do what needs to be done. So it's kind of a fun, um, it's short uh, and the plot's pretty straightforward, but it's really entertaining, uh, especially there's no one has sass like a little girl, that's for sure. Uh, so Mary Mae definitely has some fun moments like that. Um, just the straight, Forwardness, not beating around the bush that kids can be like sometimes. Uh, and I imagine it as just, you know, something you can read if you, you know, any person that enjoys a fun story. Uh, or another big way I imagine it is uh, reading to your kids. Because, like, I was read to a lot when I was growing up, like, you know, the Narnia books and stuff like that, where not something I would be able to read on my own just because the language was a little more advanced than my reading level but I could follow along the story and it really is an amazing like there's so many benefits to um reading your kids stories like that you know bonding over it helping them develop their um forgetting the word again story comprehension and everything just growing that desire for good stories uh so I imagine it as a fun book you can read to your kids as well as like a over a couple nights or as a bedtime story. 
Okay. Do you guys have any questions on it? Well, I, I do. And I pieced together all the information, but I'm new to this campaign. I, I fully blame Twitter's alg algorithms. I had no idea you had this Kickstarter going. So as far as I understand it, this is a uh, children's book that you are writing. Mm -hmm. And, and, and you've already got, obviously you've already got artists lined up with illustrations and, and everything like that. And so that's sort of, that's what your intent is, is that you've got a children's book. And as you just said, but you intend it to be enjoyable by anybody. Yeah. Yeah. So the story was written, uh, the story about how the story came about, um, is I wrote it when I was 15. So like six years ago and it's written in regular pose. It's not, uh, like, I feel like if I say children's book, you'll think of like a, um, you know, couple sentences or a paragraph each page with a picture. That's mm -hmm. not quite what this is. Um, I would describe it more as an illustrated novelette. Um, and yeah, it's definitely something anyone can enjoy. Um, and then it's got, um, so far we've got 10 pictures illustrated of it. And the Kickstarter is to cover those illustrations, and we need to make the cover. Um, but otherwise, the story itself is written, has been written for a while. I've been sitting on it a long time, really wanting to put it out, but really wanting pictures to go with it. Uh, and so the illustrator, uh, Jesslyn Kate, uh, did an amazing job with it. So does, does that answer your question? It sure does. Uh, that's great. So you've got a story that you've been wanting to get out for a long time. And uh, these illustrations are cool. I'm scrolling through them. If, if you're hanging out on stream, you can watch. But uh, yeah, you, she's definitely got a particular style. And so it it comes out, I think, as whimsical as maybe you intend it. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Is It's such a, a whimsical, fun story. I really wanted something... Uh, to go with it. And uh, the way she does these illustrations is a collage in a way where um, part of it is like a print or some sort of like background thing. If you look really closely, it's hard to see on the digitalized um, pieces, but if you look closely, like all the characters are cut out and she, I believe it's colored pencils, draws them and then puts them into the picture. She makes like a collage, paints things separately puts them in, fills it in with like watercolor or colored pencil. So it's a really interesting process. And there is an option on this Kickstarter where you can buy some of the original prints. Two of them are already taken. Um, but if you wanted like love one of the pieces and wanted to have it for yourself and see in person, you can really see how it's all uh, like finally put together. But yeah, it's so much fun. And there's a lot of different options for the Kickstarter um, where you can get digital, just digital um, copy of the book. Uh, there's also a lot of options for if you want to get a paperback, if you want to get a paperback with an art print or two, same with the hardback. Um, there's the higher options where you can get a signed copy and your name uh, in the book in our like thank you section. And then if we manage to like really spike this thing up and get to the stretch goals where we would be able to add more illustrations, uh, I have some options where you could actually um, 
be like on our team for designing uh, one of the pieces of the illustration or like design one of the illustrations, or we could hide your name in one of the illustrations at another level. And then for all my bovine fans, I'd have like one spot if we manage to get to that stretch goal where I'll hide a cow <laughs> in one of the illustrations. Because <laughs> my, my fans just can't get enough of them cows. <laughs> But right but, now we're about, uh, we're like 77% funded. Uh, we need about a little less than $700. Um, and then it'll be funded and we'll be able to make it happen. And today is like the halfway point. So we're really close. Oh, that's great to hear. Mm -hmm. I hope it pushes it over the edge. That's cute. I see, I see what you mean. I'm t and I'm looking at the art too. I see what you mean about the art artwork. You c if you look closely, you can tell that they've been cut out. That's sort of interesting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I try and get um do a live stream just me and her and talk about how we designed the uh, art pieces because she has like a really cool way of doing it. Well, you kind of answered my question with those backer goals. I was trying to find out if you had a build a mech feature for. <laughs> for the book kind of um only if we meet reach the stretch goals because the majority of it's already done uh-huh but yeah i think uh the first stretch goal trying to find where it's at on my page uh if we get to 3900 eight new illustrations will be added um so that would bring the total of illustrations up to 10 pieces um and everyone would get an extra um, art print to go for anyone that ordered uh, something that would be shipping. Um, everyone would get an extra art piece and we'd get eight more illustrations and I'd open up the um, pledges where you could sort of sort of build a mech, get in on um, the creative process and have some input. I think I have like three or five spots for those if we meet that stretch goal. And the only reason you, that's not available now is because you've already got you know, the story written out and, and the illustrations planned out and everything, right? This yeah, is... yeah. So I'd have to wait until we got to a um to that stretch goal when we would be adding more illustrations to open up those um, pledges. So if you really want to, uh, you know, hide a cow or get your name hidden in a piece or help um, pick a, oh yeah, and with the, um, if you would be helping with create one of the illustrations, um, I'd send you an arc of the book so you could see the book in its whole. Um, and I'd tell you like what scene we were planning on illustrating. You could pick one, one of those scenes and help us uh, design that illustration. Oh, cool. <laughs> yes. Catholic Lancer in the chat confirms every crowd funder can use a build a mech. <laughs> They're a lot of fun. Um, uh, yeah, that, that one in particular, the guys hanging out in chat generally, uh, I think everybody's ears perked up when you said mechanical wolf. <laughs> one of the ways I wrote this story all those years ago, um, was I had heard about the periodic table of awesomeness. And so I pulled that up and picked like three or five random things from it and decided to put it into the story. So that included the pirates the uh, mechanical wolves, uh, dinosaurs. <laughs> I just kind of like 
threw it all together. <laughs> and it actually turned out pretty fun. It's honestly probably my favorite story I've written so far. Definitely, I think Mary May is definitely one of my favorite characters, just her personality. Um, and, you know, she has her, her scared or weak moments, uh, just as we all do, because we're all human. So it shows that and it shows, but it also shows her um, immense kindness and uh, heart. Uh, there's a very, there's a um, kind of a redemptive arc at the end. That's really sweet. I, I didn't expect it when I was writing it, but it ended up happening that way and I love it. So where did you come up with the character? Where did oh, she come man. from? Probably, I probably draw, I probably drew some inspiration for my little sister. I think at that time she was um, maybe like three, I don't know, three or four. It's been a while. It's so hard remembering exactly, but uh, probably some inspiration from her. I think uh, when I was writing the fight scenes, I was trying to be like as cool as Larry Korea with his fight scenes. <laughs> You know, in my oh, own yeah. style, but I was drawing some inspiration from how much I love Larry Korea's fight scenes, uh, especially from like the uh, Grim Noir uh, trilogy. But uh, I think I think I started writing it after, um, you know, this is back a long time ago when I was just writing, you know, just trying to write as much as I could. And I had a the first book in a series I was working on um, that I'll, I'll eventually get back to, but I just finished editing like a hundred, the hundred pages of it that I had had so far. And the day that I, after a couple months of going through it, the very day I finished it, the file corrupted. No. And the only files I had saved, other files I had saved was like before I started any of the edits, and was missing like 10 pages. Oh. It was pretty devastating. And so I was left needing to write because I, I can't not write, but not having the heart to go back to it yet because it was just so painful. I've since then, you know, properly backed my things or have them connected to a server to be updated so I don't lose stuff like that again. But it was so, so traumatic, uh, but I still needed to write. So I decided I was gonna write a silly story and use the um, the uh, table of awesome and somehow it all came together. <laughs> uh, I think, oh, I think I remember what it was. Now that I'm thinking about it, I think it was for a Bane book contest, um, like a short story contest. Of course, it's not a very short story. I'm very bad at short stories. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually easier. Once you get, once you get better at writing, it's easier to write short at least for me, because then you can actually like condense and know how to write. But um, yeah, it's more like 11,000 words. So a little long for a short story. Um, but yeah, I think that's how it started. That's right. Yeah. It was for a book contest, a short story contest. Um, I think I sent it in. I may have got it done like right as it was coming up on the time. Uh, but I had it written and I ended up loving it. And right, revised it up like here and there, cleaned it up. Really wanted to put it out, but just needed it needed pictures. It was just so like from the illustration you can see, it really brings out the kind of crazy whimsical side of the story. 
Uh, so I finally found someone that had the style because I tried doing some of the illustrations. I tried, you know, talking to people I knew that could draw and different things like that, but nothing really worked. It was just always on the back burner. Uh, and then it finally found a home and I'm super stoked to finally get it out there after like six years. And this will be my first um, like solo work. I've been in a lot of anthologies, but this will be my first book where it's all me, well, in the illustrations. Well, that must be really exciting for you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, especially with your uh, funding so close to being finished. Yeah, yeah. and um, as if all goes well, and um, yeah, I've built in lots of um, fudge time in case things come up, um, but if we, just stay at funding and don't get any more illustrations added. The estimated date for everything to be done and shipped out is by November of this year. Oh, wow. I guess you said something interesting in there about how the illustrations really brought it to life and, and you waited to publish it until you had those illustrations. Mm-hmm. What about the story made it that you wanted to wait and and what or what about the illustrations made it made you say, yeah, that's that's the one or or that's the thing I need to get this story out. Uh, in other words, what made you wait? Mm -hmm. Um, I think the main reason I waited was because there was um other things on the front of my plate, uh, particularly like uh, the planetary anthologies or life stuff coming up, uh, other stories I was working on. And I think the second reason I waited is I just, I couldn't imagine putting out the story without the pictures. I can't quite pinpoint why, uh, probably partly because I wanted it, I wanted to encourage it as a, a book to read to your kids. Um, and so I imagine having fun pictures throughout it to help engage and uh, show the kids what's happening in the story. So I think that's the main reason I waited. Um, and when I'm, I met my illustrator uh, when I was still living in Florida, um, there was a Saturday market every week and walking around there, seeing all the booths. Um, one time I saw her booth and she had all her artwork hanging up and we chatted. Um, and I could see from her illustrations and other artwork that she had that it just fit. Like finally, like that was it. I could tell. Um, and so we started talking, actually became really good friends. And she absolutely loved the story. I sent it to her to read over and get her thoughts on. Um, and she she loves it. Um, and she had so much fun with uh, creating the characters and everything. Um, and she had, I had a lot that, you know, I've had this hanging on to this story for so long, had kind of envisioned different parts of it. And so I was able to really give her a solid, um, base to start on as far as what I was looking for. And she did an amazing job taking that and working together to bring out the different, like each character, we did a lot of different um, concept sketches and everything. So it was, it's more of a, it's more of a feeling of, I needed illustrations and I decided to wait for that. Uh, and I'm glad I did because hers was perfect. That's great. 
Um, I was also wondering about the length. I don't read a lot, as you may well know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so from your description, it sounds like the type of thing you would read as a bedtime story, not not a simple picture book for um, little kids, but younger children, you may read this story to them at bedtime or read chapters from it. Is it mm-hmm. the type, is it the kind of story that you finish at bedtime or is it the kind of thing where you read a little bit uh, every day? Um, I, I think it would be a story that you would read over a couple nights. Uh, so uh, it's roughly like 40, 50 pages, if that kind of gives you more of an idea. Yeah. Um, so about 11,000 words. So not maybe a little bit long to sit and read all of it in one night, unless it's just you reading through it um, and you're like a fast reader. Uh, but yeah, I would say it's more of a read over maybe two or three nights. You know, there's not really chapter breaks um, per se. Uh, I'll probably have some breaks in the story um, once it's all formatted. So more, more of a reading over a couple nights uh, versus just uh, reading all at once at bedtime. Cool. Uh, I also, I also don't read to children, so I don't know if, if that's normal, normal or not. Uh, but it does seem like, uh, what's the word? An, an, an unorthodox or unusual length for a story, which is fine by me because I actually prefer them shorter. Mm-hmm. I would say for um, just the average adult reading it, it might take like for a slow reader, it might take like, I don't know, two hours. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I haven't timed myself sitting down to read it. Uh, so it's hard to say, but I would say you could easily read it in like a handful of hours. If that probably quicker for some people. What about, uh, what about preview readers? Do you have any beta readers or preview readers that, that, have seen the whole story yet? Um, I have not set up anything like that yet. Um, so far it's been my illustrator, my mom, uh, and I think Jaji's read over it, um, at different times when I've asked her for her opinion on it. Uh, but I haven't actually set up any, uh, beta readers yet because it's been mostly sitting around done for so long. This is great. Just off the top of my head, it occurs to me that I have no idea how the uh, children's book business or community works because we talk to science fiction writers like Jaji and and you and uh, and many of our other guests. But this is sort of a different. Uh, this isn't a. This is a different audience. This is a different market, isn't it? Yeah, it's it. It really is. It's um, it it took me a while to figure out how I wanted to market it, just because it it feels like it's sitting between two places where I see it equally uh, marketed towards um, you know, people like us that like to read science fiction and fantasy, and then I also see it for families of young kids that want to read fun stories too. Uh, so I've tried to present both um, with uh, my marketing and my campaign as hmm. a story that you can keep on your shelf. And especially for like the adult side, um, there's so many days like, you know, leap year days or just days where it's like, ugh, life, things, I'm tired, <laughs> you know? Um, and so it's short, 
And you could even, if you just want to flip to your favorite scene, uh, have some fun artwork to look at, read, um, read through it as a sort of like a refresh, refresher way to pick up your day. Um, remind you of kind of the simple things and having hope even when things are kind of like a mess. And uh, that, that bit of superversiveness that helps gives you gives you a little something to take back with you into your day sort of like taking some time off and popping your favorite disney movie in the vcr and yeah yeah that's a good way to put it i get it so i'm not sure how um because i've mostly moved in this community i have no idea how most children's books are marketed um but this is much closer to regular novels than it is to children's books. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of and its own that, thing. It's very different. <laughs> but but definitely not the young adult style. You're, oh no you're, no no! You're definitely in the. You're definitely going after the younger mm-hmm. readers I, or listeners. I, I try to um, you could say that you could think of it as I try to write it in a fairy tale sort of way. Mm-hmm. Uh, like if you read the old fairy tales, um, they, they're written in a way that's simple and kind of straightforward and leave, leave a certain amount of ambiguity for you to fill in, in fill in your own imagination. Um, but as we know, a lot of them have some pretty heavy content. Uh, this one, my story doesn't have like super heavy content uh, or disturbing as most fairy tales are, but it's still written in that way where it's um, a simple, straightforward way of writing, but the story and the characters are very engaging, which is why I think it works well for both um, adults, because it's just a fun story, kind of like, you know, like you said, like a Disney movie. Um, and, but it's not like over the head of any like young listeners um, that are hearing their parents read it. I think you've mentioned it a couple of times throughout the discussion, but I want to ask directly, what is the moral of your story, if any? Because it sounds like you have an idea, um, um, an idea or of a, a moral to the story. The moral of the story, I'm trying, trying to see if there's a way I can... Um it without giving away any spoilers um, but I think the moral would be don't give up uh, when there's a lot of scary stuff going on it's okay to be scared and it's okay to uh, rely on the people around you uh, but always hang on to hope and um, don't let like the scariness uh, overcome overcome your light. I think that's a pretty good lesson. Definitely needed in this world. <laughs> that's for sure. In this, the best of all timelines. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's something that's uh you know, it's refreshing. It's good to be reminded of that as adults. And it's a very solid um, lesson for kids. Great. 
Well, uh, I'm I'm afraid you've stumped me. I'm running low on on questions to ask. It seems like a it seems like a really interesting sort of fantasy story aimed at aimed at younger kids and I hope everybody gets a chance to check it out and and dig into it. I'll, I'm going to look more closely after the show. That's for sure. Awesome. Uh what else do you want to say about it? Uh, or about anything? Let's see. I could read an excerpt from it. What's that? I could read an excerpt from it, like the first page or so. Oh, you that would be great. Why don't you do that? Yeah. Alrighty. Let me scroll down. I feel like everyone's got the uh, leap year, leap year uh, feeling. All right, so. Wait, is there a leap year season, like Christmas season? Yeah, you missed it. I didn't get a present again. <laughs> is we, it like the second most wonderful time of the year? Leap year? Yes. It's the second most wonderful time every four years. We should start that. We should start a leap year party. Hey, we've got four years to plan the next one. I think we it's got, a great see, idea. See? So you have plenty of time to make it the best. <laughs> All so right. what, is, what is the uh, feeling of the season of a leap year? <laughs> Judging by today, it's not so great. We're going to work on the next one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We're going to make the leap year hangover. <laughs> We're going to make the next leap year the best leap year ever best year john monkey in chat thanks for listening in i'm glad you could catch us live he says leap year presents involve a nice bottle of bourbon hey that's a start so <laughs> some of some of us don't drink but it's a start i like it i think you know i have a theory i think what's happening is last year we had such a good leap year party but maybe there's leap year parties every year but we don't remember them uh because then the next year that day doesn't come around so it's it's, it's kind of like Facebook memories. If it's like not in the database, it's not going to pop up in our head. So I think we had too fun, too much fun at the last leap year that we still have a hangover. This that is year. actually very, very, very Mary Poppins. <laughs> like the original Mary Poppins stories, if you've ever read those. Uh, a leap year day that you go out and have fun all day. But you never memorize. But you never remember it because it never happened. After that's completely Mary Poppins. That's such a story that she might have written. That's probably exactly what's going on. <laughs> like a dream. Yeah. All right. Would you like to hear the first page? Yeah. All right. Here we go. Once upon a time, there lived a little girl in a little town with little to do. She played in the grass where the stream met the trees, and on hot summer days, she sat by the stream and let the water tickle her feet while she licked a popsicle. But none of the other kids wanted to sit with her. They all said the woods near where she played held scary monsters. Of course, she didn't believe them, until the day she met one. On that day, the odd-looking bug boy had bounded out of the woods and over the stream and asked for a lick of her popsicle. Any other child might have run away in fear, for surely they would have thought him a monster. Mary May, however, was a polite little girl and immediately offered to fetch one for him, and she went bounding off to the kitchen. Her mother had been surprised she had wanted another popsicle so soon, but Mary May assured her, Oh no, it's not for me. 
it's my funny looking friend who came out of the woods. And she went skipping away through the backyard again. Her mother never saw the funny looking boy. So she and everyone else assumed Mary May had made an imaginary friend. After all, many seven-year-olds do. Mary May, of course, knew that that was absurd. When she played with her dolls, they never talked to her on their own. Waldo came up with his own things to say. He would never tease her when she created games of wild imagination to play. He would always play along and sometimes make them even better. But one day, Waldo didn't show up to play, and more days passed without any sign of him. Mary May wasn't terribly worried on the first day she didn't see him, but then nearly a week went by and she knew something must be terribly wrong. Deciding she had to do something, Mary May sat down with pencil and paper. She tried drawing his squat round body, but couldn't get it quite right. His antlers were crooked and she didn't know what to do with his arms. So she drew a banjo for him to hold instead. Mary May showed the picture to her mother and asked if she'd seen him. Her mother just smiled and patted her head then went back to calming Mary May's little sister, Dee Dee, who was crying again. When Mary May failed to get her mother to understand what, that Waldo was missing, she threw the paper away in frustration. The sound of Dee Dee's crying faded into the background as Mary May pushed open the screen door and fled into the backyard. Dee Dee seemed to be crying a lot lately, and Mary May felt like doing the same now, but she wouldn't allow herself to. Even with the nightmares she'd been having about something awful happening to Waldo, Mary May would not let herself fall apart. She knew that crying or giving up right now wouldn't be very brave, and she knew she'd have to be very brave indeed if she was going to find her friend. And that's how it starts. That's a pretty good start. So the uh, beginning of the story is her realizing something's up and that uh, she needs to go find Waldo. And then from there, the adventures continue. I, I liked. The, go, ahead. go ahead. I liked the I liked the touch where her her little baby sister also knew something was up or something was happening with her. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's definitely intentional. Yeah, uh, and uh, it's also a sign that the uh, you know as they're going through trying to stop him, uh, another you know thing she has to think or worry about is protecting her little sister. Cool. Yeah, that's it. That was a really nice story. Thank you for sharing that page with us, and and thank you for sharing this uh, this uh, Kickstarter with us. This is yeah. uh, this is actually pretty exciting. Thanks. I'm really glad you guys had me on. Uh, it's the the hardest thing with uh, any sort of crowdfunding like this is getting the word out. Oh, for sure. No, uh, are you kidding? We are delighted to have you on. After all, this is the only day of the year that we can do it, I guess. <laughs> Man, that's going to be, that would be hard. <laughs> uh, yeah, so whatever book you're coming out with in four years, you, you can, you can, we'll have a party. Only then. We can, I can only come on then. <laughs> now this is making me as if there aren't enough anthologies in the world. It makes me want to write a, uh, a leap year anthology. <laughs> Every Very four years. style or some sort of creepy Cthulhu style. Maybe, maybe Cthulhu can only come on leap years. Uh, well, that was really special for you to, to share with us. Um, is there any last thing you want to say or any, any pitch you want to make or anything? Um, 15 more days to go guys. Let's make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee you'll love it. Everyone I've 
talked to about it, has loved the idea, and uh, you guys, you guys are special. I haven't gotten to share a uh, the story out loud like that yet. So hopefully, it gives you a taste of what's to come, along with the uh, some images of the artwork. And if I can say something else, of course, um, a charming and whimsical uh, children's book like this. Uh, if anybody in the audience who's listening. Uh, it may be that you have family members who might also like a book like this. Uh, go ahead and pass them a link to the uh, pass them a link to the crowdfunding campaign and see if they're interested. They yeah, might sharing, want to the sharing. If you've got uh, like uh, nieces and nephews, there's a uh, couple options if you want to get your Christmas shopping done early. Uh, there's a couple options where you could get like two copies of the book or even five if you want to be like really big and you know you got grandchildren or something like that. Um, so there's a couple options if you just want to get a book for yourself or if you want to get a couple with the uh, intention of making them gifts to families and friends. That's a great idea. Uh, well, uh, it's been a pleasure as always thank you for coming on and chatting with us i'm done for today i really hope everybody checks out uh this kickstarter and comes and hangs out with us in future gabs uh appreciate everybody hanging out in the chat and everybody who's listening later thanks for joining us for another geek gap daddy we're big oh this is my part now it sure is <laughs> i say something don't i <laughs> Dang you can't, you kind of have a script, though. I don't think you've written it down anywhere. <laughs> um, I wonder if I can. Maybe I can do it. Uh, <laughs> this is Gab with your host, Daddy Warpy. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> okay, let's run through. Let's run through this. Uh, this is Geek Gab um, for Saturday, February 29th, two thousand and twenty. Um, you can, if you are listening to this show later, you can catch Geek Gab on youtube.com slash Geek Gab. We're also available on the Google Play Store, on soundcloud.com, and on the iTunes Store. Just do a search for Geek Gab. You can download and listen to us on the device of your choice, uh, or subscribe to us through your favorite uh, podcasting app and get us automatically. Uh, so that every single time we do a show, we are there waiting for you to listen to, waiting uh, to brighten your day, even a day as dismal as this February 29th has been. <laughs> um, and uh, I want to thank Ann Freeman for coming on. I want to thank for everybody who uh, showed up and was in the chat live and everybody who listens later folks we have to uh sign out for today but don't you worry don't you fret we will be back